Hey everybody, what is going on? Welcome back once again to a brand new episode of Sweeten Up Podcast, season number two, episode number one. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us for another year. I am your host, Jeff Spencer, and I'm coming at you from my brand new podcast studio located on the outskirts of Danbury, Connecticut. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. I greatly appreciate it. Whether you have for an entire season or you are today for the first time, it means a lot to all of us here at the podcast. As always, if you like what you hear on the podcast today, please be sure to subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts so that you never miss a future episode. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Sweeten Up Podcast. Also, if you have a suggestion for the podcast, want to write into the show, or would like to be a guest down the road, please reach out to us at sweetenuppodcast at gmail.com. With that being said, who better to have as my first guest for season two than the mayor of the city I just moved to, the great and powerful Joseph Cavo. Joseph Cavo is the current mayor of Danbury, Connecticut, having taken over for previous mayor Mark Bowden in December of 2020. Mayor Joe has called Danbury his home for over 35 years and has been a member of the Danbury City Council since 2003, of which he had been president since 2006. We had a fantastic conversation live via Zoom video conferencing, covering Mayor Joe's time as mayor since December of last year, how he has gotten by during the age of COVID-19, his early days growing up in Brooklyn, New York, and New Jersey, what he enjoys doing in his free time, as well as his thoughts on the John Oliver Memorial Sewer Plant, and so much more. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, my friend and one of the nicest human beings, the mayor of Danbury, Connecticut, Mr. Joseph Cavo. Joining me this evening live via Zoom video conferencing to kick off a brand new season of Sweeten Up Podcast, who better than the mayor of the city I just moved to last month, the oh-so-wonderful, the mayor of Danbury, Connecticut, Mr. Joseph Cavo, and Mayor Joe. Thank you so much for giving me some time this evening, and how are you, my friend? I'm great, doing great, Jeff. Thanks for asking, and uh, it's my pleasure to be here with you. These things are you know, some of the favorite parts of my job and, you know, there's favorite parts and there's not so favorite parts. This is one of my favorite parts. So it's great to be here with you. Awesome. That's great. And likewise, thank you so much. I'm, I'm sure there's so much going on with this last year and, and how, um, you just took over uh, in December from uh, Mayor Mark Bow in December of last year. So I'm sure you're busy and there's a lot going on. So very, very gracious for some of your time. And, you know, Mayor Joe, first of all, thank you so much for your warm welcome when I moved to the city last month. I really appreciate it. It wasn't easy leaving Newtown, which will always be my home, but everyone's been so welcoming here and things are off to a great start. So thank you for that. And one place I like to start, like I do with all my guests, is how are you? I mean, with the last year that we went through with COVID and the hectic, the craziness, how are you, your friends, your family, and how have you been getting through the last year? So we've been doing pretty well, and we've been extremely cautious. Uh, you know, as we saw, we were advised by the medical experts that we had to take some caution and be careful. And like everybody else, we ran out and stocked up on supplies and make sure that we had everything we needed. I think our biggest thing was talking with my wife's children uh, about being cautious and being careful because we know some of the younger generation, you know, have a different take on this COVID situation and. Unfortunately, in my position, I see things that change for people that are not for the better. And we just keep trying to encourage people that, you know, this is serious. 
They need to take it serious. And because we have taken it serious, my wife and I and our immediate family, we've done very well. We only had one of her children, uh, who's 24, had to go to Florida and was on a plane and she developed COVID two days after returning from the trip to Florida. But luckily she was 24. And although she was quite sick, you know, it's funny, the first day she was like, oh, this isn't that bad. You know, I don't even know and what I even really have other than a sniffle until the phone call the next day. Mom, I'm so sick. I can't believe how sick I am. And that went on for about nine days. And, um, you know, she had she, some medical treatment twice in the 10 days that she had it, thankfully, and uh, was man- was managed to overcome it. So other than that, we've been really, really good. Gotcha. Well, that's that's good to hear. I'm glad that she made it through and that everyone's doing well. And I, I had COVID myself back in January, and I got to say the, the testing process was great. And I went to the Community Health Center at Danbury, who have been excellent. Uh, I actually got my first shot with them uh, just last week. Excellent. The, the National Guard troops, everyone. Everyone is awesome. And speaking of your wife, Elizabeth, um, I heard she's a nurse and she's played a huge role during the pandemic and helping vaccinate folks. And you must be super proud. So what could you tell me about that? So Liz, uh, I met Liz about 11 years ago, second marriage for both of us. And it, it's been just a, you know, just a terrific trip with her over these last 11 years. And she's very community minded. She was, uh, when I had met her, she was active in politics in her town at one point in time. And she volunteered uh, years ago and went down uh, after Katrina down south and uh, volunteered a couple of weeks down there at nurse and tried to help out during that disaster. So we're both very like-minded when it comes to our community and, and giving. And I'm really uh, proud of her for her efforts in this. You know, she works a full-time job every day. And a lot of nights uh, during the week, she goes to the city's clinic. She gets paid as a nurse there to administer vaccines uh, until about eight o'clock at night, a lot of nights. And so, and then she does Saturdays here and there when they ask her for help. And so she's been really terrific about it. And it, it's been good because at the, about the same time that Mark had decided to leave the office and I was going to get sworn in as mayor is right about the time the vaccines came out. So We've been like two ships passing in the night. You know, we get home about the same time at night, around eight o'clock. And usually she she's an early riser. She gets up for five to go to work at her surgical center. And so uh, she goes to bed pretty quick. And then I usually stay up and watch TV, try to unwind, do some reading, do some emails. You know, so it's been good. We've both been busy. And it's both, both of us are, you know, trying to do just the best things we can do for our community because that's really how we've lived, always lived our lives is, is always doing something for others. And we encourage people, you know, if we all, I always say, if we all just took care of somebody, the world would be a much better place. Oh, I could, I could not agree more with that. And, and thank you so much for sharing and uh, very appreciative for everything your wife's been doing and all our, our frontline workers, they're, they're rock stars, honestly. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Definitely talk to me about your early memories and upbringing, you know, being born in Brooklyn, New York, being raised in New Jersey. You know, what do you remember fondly when you look back and how did that accumulate to you moving to Danbury? I had a really great childhood. I had two extremely loving, caring parents. And um, I think what made a huge difference for me in my life was I had six, I have five siblings. And so there were six of us and I was second from the youngest. And so I had, uh, you know, a sister that was six years older than me and a sister that was three years older than me. 
I had a sister that was nine years older than me. And so, and then I had an older brother. And so we, we just had a, you know, just a great life. I don't really remember a lot about Brooklyn because my parents in an effort to keep us out of the fray of the city life, you know, kept moving a little bit further North, moving a little bit further North. And that's how we wound up in New Jersey. We moved from Brooklyn to Queens. And then uh, two years after Queens, we moved to uh, New Jersey, and that's where I grew up. That's where I went to school. That's where I graduated high school from. And so oh, cool. um, just, just a great, just great childhood, always always out playing. You know, my mother with the six of us would be like, you know, get out of the house, you know, <laughs> go out and play, you know. And so uh, and be, I think because of the age difference between myself and my siblings, you know, she always had a little security safety net that somebody – was looking out for myself and my younger brother. And it was, it was a really good, really good childhood. But I, I remember my early years, I, you know, my mom would say to me, look, the lady down the street, you know, she's a widower and her, it snowed, go down and shovel her driveway. And so I would go down and shovel her driveway. And then when I was able to, I would go and mow her lawn and then I would mow other people's lawns. And, and so I was always doing things. Sometimes I got paid. Sometimes I didn't get paid. And, uh, but it wasn't really about the money. It was about, you know, helping people out. And so I, I grew up in that sort of realm. And then I took a job here in Danbury, um, when I uh, got out of trade school, uh, in the public works department and spent three years there in highway and then took a test and transferred over to the fire department, which was really my, you know, really where I wanted to be. I, I spent 32 years there as their mechanic. And uh, I, f I fixed, you know, all the fire trucks, a lot of the equipment, uh, you know, the breathing apparatus and all the tools that go along with firefighting and just had a fabulous career. I've been, I feel like I'm very fortunate. I've had a very fortunate life. And uh, that's awesome. along the way, yeah, along the way, I was able to help people and do things for folks. And, and that's how I got involved in politics with Mark Bouton 18 years ago. So I'll let you ask me this question before we... <laughs> You know, because I'm sure there's probably another question in there somewhere. No, that's great. That's great, Mayor Joe. Um, yeah, no, I, I can tell that public service is is really, uh, you know, everything that you are. You you love giving back and doing what you can for folks, and it's it's awesome. And that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to get to chat with you because, um, yeah, I, I came from that same upbringing too. Just lend a hand when you can, whenever you can, however you can, no no matter how big or how small or anything like that. And, um, you know, speaking at your, your time with the fire department, you spent a lot of time with the fire department, you know, how was that? What was that like? And was that always like, kind of like a passion for you to be in with the fire department? I can't say originally my passion was to be in with the fire department. I, I think I was just extremely lucky that, you know, I, I picked a field and I think it was probably the only thing that my mother and I really disagreed on. My mother did not want me to be a mechanic. She was just adamantly opposed to me being a mechanic. And, um, and so, but it was just something, my dad was so talented and he did a lot of stuff uh, both at home and on vehicles at a necessity because with six kids and house and he, he had to learn how to fix things. And so I was always glued to his side. And so I always learned and I always watched and I always helped. And, and so mechanics was definitely in my blood. I, my dad was an offset printer by trade and I wanted to become a printing press mover. I wanted to uh, become, I wanted to work in an apprenticeship 
and become a printing press mover. But my dad realized that that industry was changing so rapidly and that the big, the big printing presses of years ago were going to go by the wayside with all the digital technology and that there wasn't going to be a long-time career in that for me. And he steered me away from that. And he said, look, go into automotive, do something with diesel trucks, go. And so I did. And um, grateful for that. And so my time in the fire department was just a huge bonus for me because, again, I got to serve the public. I used to watch those trucks go out day and night. And I used to think, there, you know, I hope it makes it there safely. And I hope everybody riding on it is safe. And I hope the people they help are safe. And and so it just was a it was just a very fulfilling career to know that for all those years, you know, I kept that fleet on the road with the help of a gentleman that I worked with, a couple different guys through the years. And I managed to, you know, keep that fleet running for 33 years and uh, do it in an efficient manner and in a safe manner. And uh, I, I just couldn't have asked for a better career. That's awesome. And, you know, you mentioned Queens before and my favorite sports team, the Mets are in Queens. And I'm curious, yes. are you a Mets fan by any chance? Jim, I will tell you, I don't spend a lot of time on sports okay. and, and, and people are amazed, but I'm just not a sport guy. Gotcha. I, I do watch NASCAR. I'm a NASCAR fan. I remember Mayor Mark. He likes his NASCAR. Yes. Uh, and, and so it was probably Mayor Mark who started me with NASCAR because every year he and I would go on our one day pilgrimage up to New Hampshire to Loudoun and we would watch the fall race. In Loudoun, every year we would go up and that would be our one trip together. That's awesome. And so, and so from that, I started bringing my wife up there. And um, and so she's hooked on it as well. And so usually we record the race and then we, you know, fast forward through the highlights when we have time just to see what happened. And, you know, she'll look at her phone. She follows it on her phone and she'll say to me, you want to know who's leading? I'm like, no. And she'll like, do you want to know who won the race? No. And so... <laughs> That's awesome. I actually just got into Formula One myself uh, this this last year, and I love it. So I, I hear you with the racing. I, I'm really enjoying it myself. So I hear you on that. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, I used to golf. I used to watch a little bit of golf from time to time. But when I lost my ability in time to play, I sort of fell away from golf as well. I'd like to go back to it again someday, but uh, gotcha. just not right now. Gotcha. Before becoming mayor, you were on the Danbury City Council since 2003, and you were the president since 2006. What made you want to enter that role specifically, and what did you enjoy about it? Mark Bouton. Mark Bouton. Gotcha. I tell people all the time, he could sell an icicle to an Eskimo. He was an incredible, incredible guy. So when he first became mayor, I was down in the firehouse, and... Somebody had, for my birthday, put a sign out, one of those wooden signs out in front of the firehouse, you know, Lordy, you know, look who's birthday. And he had just become mayor and he actually stopped into the firehouse to wish me a happy birthday because he came in and asked people whose birthday is it? And then he sought me out and we talked for about five minutes. I knew his next campaign was coming up in 2003. And I said to him, look, I, I like, what you do. I've seen letters from you through city emails and things, and I, I like your style and I'd like to help you. I'm very talented with my hands. And so I know he puts up those big four by eight billboards. I said, I have a pickup truck and I have the tools and I have the ability to do that. Can I do that for you in the next election? 
And he said, you can do that and maybe more. Let's go to lunch. And I said, okay. So about two weeks later, we went to lunch and he just said to me, look, I've talked to some people about you. You know, people like you. You're a nice guy. You seem to help out folks. I'd love for you to run for city council with me. And I'm like, no way. I'm. There's no way I'm not interested in politics. And, you know, and the next thing I know, I was on the ballot and I was running uh, for city council and I won in 2003 with him with a large switch over from Democrats to Republicans. You know, we flipped the entire council uh, from one side to the other in one election because mostly because of his popularity. Gotcha. <laughs> you and the mayor, you guys are you guys are awesome. You guys are two awesome individuals. And, you know, I think the city of Danbury is so lucky to have the two of you. I mean, absolutely so lucky because that's a great story. I didn't even know that. That's awesome how your your bond and your friendship has been going on for so long, you know, helping Danbury be great. So that's that's really awesome. And you know, the thing is, I think people look at the both of us and if you were to really drill down on the both of us, we both have such similar philosophies about politics and life and, you know, what our job is and what our roles are. And and I think that's, I will tell you, honestly, I can tell you in 18 years of him and I being together, we only had one argument. In 18 years, we, had only, we only had one argument and it was only maybe a year ago was the first time he and I ever had a, had a disagreement. And it was amazing that we've gone that long in our friendship and just, but we're just so similar in so many ways. Yeah, and, no, you uh, guys are both class acts. Totally, total class. <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, no, of course. And you know, speaking of uh, um, the previous mayor, Mark Bowden, what has it been like for you taking over the reins from Mayor Mark? Given he was the longest serving mayor in Danbury's history, and what was your initial reaction when you found out he was stepping down and that you were going to be the guy? So I. I didn't tell you that I retired from the fire department in 2017 gotcha. and I was home and happily retired. I was doing all the things I wanted to do and, uh, you know, working towards some future plans for my wife and I putting things together for that. And I got a call in December from him and he said, Hey, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just home in my shop. And, uh, he said, Hey, can I come over and see you? And I said, yeah, well, something, something bad. And he said, no, 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 it's nothing bad. And I hung up the phone and I thought, oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> I just need you to be mayor. That's all. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be bad. And so he came to my house. He walked in the door and I said, you're leaving, aren't you? And he said, yep. And I said, are you serious? You're leaving? He goes, I'm leaving. And I said, okay. Well, this is something we always talked about, you know, the potential happening with his runs for governor and, um, you know, with his illness that he had, there was some concerns there for him and, I had to take over temporarily while he was uh, incapacitated with that. Um, thankfully, it was really nothing. Uh, I mean, it was major. I want to say I don't want to say it wasn't major, but long term, it wasn't major. You know, in the in, in the in the period, it was very nervous and scary, but in the long term, it, you know, it it worked out perfectly fine, and so that's that's what's important. And uh, and so we talked about you know how we saw it playing out and what was going to happen and. I just kept saying, holy cow, you know, here we go. You know, I never thought, I never thought this would happen because he just loves this job. He loved the city. He just loves being the mayor. And I never thought that he would ever leave. And so I was a little bit shocked and uh, started right away going right to work like we always do. What are we doing? How are we doing it? 
how do you see it happening? You know, what's happening that I don't know about? You know, what do I need to know? And he was, you know, very good to me in the very beginning. You know, he's like, anytime you call me, anytime you can talk. And I've had that happen a couple of times in here where people have come in and said to me, you know, Mayor Mark told me that he would do this. And I'd say, well, you do know I can talk to him, right? And so <laughs> I'm hoping what you're telling me is the truth and, you know, we'll go from there. But uh, he's been accessible to me when I've needed him. But there were some big things happening here. You know, we need a fire chief, which was going on while he was in office. And we still need a fire chief. But I was fortunate enough to find a gentleman who just retired from the Yonkers Fire Department about six weeks earlier who we contacted and asked him if he would be interested in coming here for six months while we ran the test for a fire chief. And he was willing and came here and he's Very just cool. been doing a fabulous job. And uh, Very cool. so that's one real pressure off me. And then, you know, we had the career Academy, we had the charter school, we have the uh, setting up of the vaccine sites, which the CHC site at the mall was a huge lift. Um, you know, the city clinic has been, you know, just masterfully run by our acting health director, Kara Prunty, just been ju just doing a fabulous job there with that, her staff, and uh, like you said, all the nurses and the volunteers and just been doing a, a tremendous job. And uh, we're getting shots in arms, which is the goal, which was the goal when I took office in December. I think they started inoculating like three days later. And, uh, you know, they did all their staff first and then went to, you know, all the group in 1A and, and have just done a fabulous job with it. And having CHC come in and get that set up with the state in cooperation with us, the mall, the state, you know, so many agencies involved in that one. Um, you know, our EMD, our emergency management director, everybody just got right in. And then we started having snowstorms like crazy. And uh, just to add to the, you know, the stress of everything going on. Uh, but, you know, I, I have a, there's a great team here. Mark built a great team here. You know, I keep saying to everybody, you know, just the coach changed. Nothing else really has changed. Just the coach has changed. And so, um, you know, I'm just picking up that coaching job and, you know, we're, we're moving on. I've got a great, great cooperative staff here that understand what their role is. They understand what their job is. And, uh, they understand customer service and and that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so it's been going really well. That's awesome. You know, Mayor Bowton, you know, he he left, he passed the baton, you took it, you kept running with it, everything was smooth, it was a smooth transition. <laughs> and you know, it's 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 it, I'm glad you mentioned your team because um, I remember you talking to Ethan and Lou and, and other people about how Mayor Mark was running for governor. You know, you were always, you know, you weren't sure if the team was gonna go with him or not, or if they were gonna right. stay. And, and it's a great team. You know, you have Dean, you have, you know, Taylor O'Brien, John Barney, um, just, just great people uh, around Mark you. Dylan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dean Esposito. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> Roger Palonzo in, in my business advocacy office that works very close with me every day, you know, trying to get businesses here into Danbury and retain businesses here in Danbury. And so right. um, they've just been fabulous. And then, you know, we just went through the budget just went through that and our finance team was fabulous. I was a little taken back by the board of eds ask of $14 million more this year in a COVID pandemic time with people being unemployed, underemployed, being home on unemployment. And I was a little taken back by that, but we managed to get them, you know, an adequate amount of money uh, to be able to work with our kids this coming year. And there's 
uh, more money on the horizon for them that we knew was coming. And so uh, in the end, their ask will be, they'll be pretty close to their original ask in money. And so they should be functioning, but it's a little bit of turmoil getting there, you know, because I wanted to make sure that people weren't heavily taxed or hit with, you know, and just another burden, uh, you know, because of this pandemic, I wanted to make sure that we took that into account and, and made sure that we, we were being responsible to them as well. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you uh, brought up the budget because I know for the last 17 years, you've been very proud of the fact that you've delivered balanced budgets um, while also encouraging ep economic growth, but you're mindful of taxpayers' ability to pay for services, which is awesome. And I would love for you to expand on that if you could. Yeah, so, you know, I, I have always taken a very practical approach to budgets because I have to do a budget at home as well. And so I always say to people, if, if I don't think I could write a check for it, then I probably shouldn't buy it. And uh, I, I view the city's taxpayers' money the same way. I, you know, if we can't afford it, then we shouldn't be buying it. And so um, I just don't like the idea of going out on a limb or going into great debt. I mean, I look at our national debt uh, every once in a while, and I just, you know, it just boggles my mind that counter in Times Square that just keeps, you know, flying by and, you know, it, you know, you see things like these uh, American rescue plans and $1.9 trillion. And I, I say to people, do you know how much a trillion dollars is? Because, you know, they start throwing around numbers like that. And I don't think people really conceive how much money that actually is and where are we getting it from and who's paying it back. And so I've always made sure, right, exactly. I've always made sure that in my dealings, I've always tried to be a really good steward with other people's money and make sure that we were doing the responsible things, doing the things we need to do. You know, we have to keep fire, police, uh, EMS, that all has to be a function of government. We have to do that. We have to pave roads. We have to fund schools. We have to build school buildings. I get that. But you have to do it in a responsible manner because we only get money really from one place. And uh, that's you, the taxpayer. And so, you know, I think a lot of times people lose sight of that. And uh, I, in all my years on the council, I've never lost sight of that. And I've always, I've always viewed it as, can I write this check? And, you know, do I, will I be able to sleep at night writing this check? And, and so it's the same thing with my home finances as well. Awesome. Got it. Well, thank you for expanding on that. I really appreciate it. And, you know, you have extensive volunteer experience. And in fact, all I ever hear is how Mayor Joe is the nicest, most selfless human being in the world that you'll ever meet. And I agree. And, you know, and after I need to send them a check. <laughs> Checks in the mail. <laughs> but after seeing the list of things you've volunteered on, um, I understand what people are saying. And what is it about volunteering that you love so much um, besides, you know, obviously helping the community and stuff like that? And what are some things you've done in the past and still do today? So I'm... Oh, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to talk about yourself like that, but you know, I've always, I, like I said to you earlier, I've always viewed that if we, we all just took care of somebody, something, somebody, we, we would be a much better world. If everybody just took care of somebody, we'd be a much better place. And so I've always tried to live by that. And, you know, I take care of a, I think probably my greatest thing is I, through the years, I've taken care of some elderly folks that didn't have families and, needed to rely on people, uh, especially towards the end stage of their lives. And uh, I currently 
have uh, a long-term relationship with a friend of mine from my church who is now 98 years old and lives at home by herself. And my wife and I look after her. We do all her grocery shopping. We do all her doctor runs with her. We do all her medication runs. And um, the funniest thing I always say about her is I always have to straighten out her Kindle. At 98 years old, she still uses a Kindle and a laptop to go on Facebook and FaceTime with her family who's not here. She has a lot of, has a lot of children, uh, not a lot of children, she has a lot of grandchildren. She only had one child, but she has seven grandchildren, 18 great-grandchildren, and I think 10 or 11 great-greats. Um, but they, they live in Oklahoma, Georgia, um, California, and so nobody's here to take care of her. And so her only son passed away several years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago, and we got actively involved in her life to help her out. And so that's probably my biggest, um, she's like my mom, you know, she's like a second mom to me. And so we, you know, that's probably my greatest thing that I do that I, you know, gives me such a feeling of satisfaction to be able to be there for her because I don't know if she would even be here if, if it wasn't, you know, for my wife and I looking after her and, you know, she's a great, she's a great lady. She's sharp as a tack. She remembers all the grandkids' birthdays, all the great grandkids' birthdays. She sends them all a card with $5 in it every birthday. Um, she's just a great wealth of knowledge. And, and to talk to somebody born in 1922 and, you know, you get stories from her, you know, about her family and um, how they lived and what they did and, how different the world is today compared to them. And they were tough. You know, we're, we're nothing compared to what they were. They're tough people. And it's good. Yeah, no, it's so true. And, and, you know, thank you so much for sharing that. You get me, te- you're going to make me tear up over here. Oh my God. It's a great, this is a great story and uh, uh, really awesome. One other thing I want to um, talk to you about is I understand that you were responsible for bringing Danbury's first dog park to the city. So I just was curious how that came to be. So I had met my wife, Liz, and she had a fabulous border colleague named Nikita. And we would take Nikita up to the dog park in Southbury every once in a while just to run wild. And I kept saying, why don't we have a dog park in Danbury? And, and so you know, I went to Mayor Mark and I said, look, why don't we have a dog park here? And he said, I don't know. Do you know, do you think it'd be popular? I'm like, yes, it would probably be very popular. And then I started doing some research on them. And I kept saying to him, you know, of all your parks, even in the dead of winter, there will be people in the dog park, but there won't be people in any other park in Danbury. And I said, we need to build a dog park. And he said, I'm in, tell me what we have to do. And so um, it was, took us a long time because of the city took us a long time to find a a proper piece of property to do it on. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do it with very minimal expense. So it had to be a piece of property that the city already had in its inventory. And then it had to meet the requirements so that we could build a small dog park and a large dog park. And, uh, and so it was four years before we finally got the approvals because the property we picked is in the flight line for the airport. And uh, it was being not, not being used. And so the FAA regulations of building a park in that flight space was problematic and it was some hurdles to overcome, but we got there. And, you know, with Mark's perseverance and mine as well, 
pushing, pushing, pushing. We, we were able to finally open the park. And uh, I just went by there the other day and it was um, raining, a little rainy. There were 10 people in the park. And I was like, there you go. Even on a worst day, there won't be 10 people on Richter playing golf, but there'll be 10 people in that dog park. And, and it's been a big hit. And it was such a big hit. We went right to looking for a second parcel. And uh, we built the one out by Marjorie Reservoir uh, a couple oh, of years wow. ago. Yeah. And so oh. now we have two in Danbury, yeah, one on each side of town. So it's great. That's very cool. And the one near the airport, the first one, it's actually like about only five minutes from where I am right now in my apartment. Oh. So it's awesome. Oh, that's great. Don't have a dog quite yet, but when I do, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm in business. <laughs> Good. Uh, it's great. It's, a, you know, it's a, it's a great social time for people. Um, if you're, if you're handicapped, it's easily accessible. You know, it gives everybody a lot of opportunity to go. And, you know, if you're handicapped and you can't take your dog out for a walk, you could get them in the car and take them to the park and then, you know, let them run through there and get some exercise. And it's, it's a good social time too, because you're, all with like-minded people who love animals. And, and so it's, it's a great social event as well. Nice. That's awesome. Um, listen, Mayor Joe, I'm not really sure. Maybe there's some things going on that, that maybe I'm not aware of as a new Danbury resident, but what are some exciting things that are happening in Danbury and how is the reopening going post, uh, you know, as we're trying to get better from COVID and everything like that? Just recently, Jeff, I would say in the last two weeks, we've seen a, a nice change in our numbers in a positive direction uh, as far as COVID numbers. And so things are starting to relax. The governor is relaxing a lot of the orders. May 19th is going to be a big day here in the state of Connecticut as far as, um, you know, opening up of things and, and um, things going from rules to suggestions. Eight days. And so, <laughs> right, exactly. And so, um, we're going to be uh, having the employees come back to City Hall. All the employees come back to City Hall uh, on the 24th. And then uh, around the 1st of June, I think it is the 1st of June, uh, City Hall is going to be reopened back to the public. Uh, you don't have to have an appointment, but we're still going to be following a lot of safety guidelines in here. We're still going to be in indoors. We're still going to be following the social distance rules. We're still going to be following wearing a mask. But we're trying to return back to some sort of normalcy. And as long as we see the numbers keep going down, we're going to keep, you know, expanding that. I, you know, I've taken the approach since I've come into office because I've seen the spikes, I've seen the lows, I've seen the spikes, and then I've seen the lows again. And so I always want to be cautious that we're taking small incremental steps because you can always just take an easy step back but if you take a huge step forward, it's a lot harder to take a huge step back. And so I want to do everything slow, easy. Listen, over the last 13 months, we've be, a lot of us have become accustomed to operating in this manner and mode and um, with Zoom meetings and the function of city business has been happening uh, right along in this last 13, 14 months. And so I want to make sure we stay that way and I want to make sure that everybody stays safe. And, uh, you know, having the high vaccination numbers that we have in the state has been positive and uh, it's showing some positive effects. And so I'm hoping that I'm in the right spot and I'm always hoping I'm making the right decision as we creep forward um, and, and do more things and open more things. And so. Nice. Good. Awesome. That's great. You know, one other thing is you're six foot eight. 
you're, you're a tall guy. And when I heard that, I couldn't believe it. But now, since I live in Danbury, I always joke with people that don't live in Danbury, live in other cities. And I say, you know, my mayor's six foot eight. He could take your mayor, no problem. <laughs> 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 it's a big joke that I make with my friends. But, you know, does, does height run in the family? And, and, you know, were you playing any sports when you were younger with the height or not really? So I, when I was younger, I played basketball and I played football. I would never tell you that I was an athlete by any means. But um, coaches in schools would look at me for my size and say, you don't have to run. You just need to stand there. Don't let anybody get by you. Or you need to get the basketball at the you know tip off. You need to get the ball. And, and so I was used for those functions. Um, but, you know, I, 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 when I started becoming more mechanical, I became more interested in um, machines and cars and trucks. And, you know, I guess in high school, I, I would have been called a gearhead because I was always doing something with cars. I was always doing something with um, something mechanical and just, you know, didn't really have an interest in sports, but um, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I I saw somebody on Facebook had made a comment about the invisible mayor, you know, because Mark was so out there and he loved to do the Facebook and the thing with Taylor and that's so not me. And I knew I was going to take some heat over that because, um, you know, it's not me and people wanted that. And I get that. And so Taylor and I have been working to make sure that, you know, we make announcements and we get things out on the city Facebook page and on the city website, you know, because I always felt that was the way Mark should have done it too, because he also opened himself up to a lot of criticism at times over things. And um, he, he just was a, just an expert at it. And I never felt that I was. And so I decided to just take a lower key. Um, you know, I want to be getting, I want to get the job done. You, you know, may, you may not see me, but you may see things happening and that's what I want to do. You know, speaking of, uh, of mayor Mark, um, you know, being more open and stuff like that last year, what happened with John Oliver and that whole situation where he came to Danbury and now we have the John Oliver Memorial sewer plant and Danbury. How's that been for Danbury? Cause I understand people visit it. It's actually increased people coming. Um, you know, what have you heard? And I understand that you were on the council, so there was probably, you were probably there for the vote. So what was that all like? <laughs> so that was interesting. You know, we, it, the, the vote was a very interesting night because there were people that were really uh, offended by his remarks and by his comments and didn't see the humor in his show. You know, if you, if you weren't aware of his show, you certainly could have taken offense to what he said, but if you're aware of what his show is about, it's what he does. It's his stick. It's, you know, it's the whole thing, you know, what makes him John Oliver. And, and so I knew that I recognized that right away. And, and for me, really, honestly, it was about the money. He was going to donate $55,000 to charities here in Danbury and uh, to food banks at a time where people were struggling, you know, getting food and stuff. And so I, it didn't bother me one bit, just write the check and, and help people out. And so I was really thrilled about that. And, and the whole uh, notoriety to it, people still talk about it. I still get, I get an email every once in a while from somebody that came, I had a person that came and went to see the plant, but couldn't find the sign because they had moved it since time because we didn't want people driving down into the plant because it's an operating plant and it's dangerous. There's equipment, heavy equipment that operates and moves. And so we moved the sign and put it in a little little bit different, more public section. 
And uh, somebody had emailed me that they couldn't find it. And they're like, is it not there anymore? I'm like, nope, it's still the John Oliver Memorial Sewer Plant. And and I think the I've watched the skit of him coming here when that, when that first opened and he was walking in that suit, I almost fell off my couch. I was laughing so hard. And every time I watch it, I just bust out laughing because it's just so comical. Really great. And, uh, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was great. It's it's great. I, I, I rewatch it here and there, especially now being a Danbury resident. I, I think it's, you know, I thought it was great before, but now living in Danbury, it just makes me, it makes me really. Because someone will say to you, you live in the home of the John Oliver Memorial sewer plant. <laughs> I certainly do. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, listen, Mayor Joe, a few more things before I let you go. And, and listen, like I said at the top, thank you so much. This is great. Um, really nice shit getting to chat with you and getting to know you. And one of those things would be when you get free time, what do you like to do the most? So my yard, I love working in my yard. I love working on the lawn. I love working in the flower beds. I love improving my house. I, you know, try to have, you know, a very nice looking home. I try to, you know, inside right now, it's a disaster because we've decided to paint and, um, and then we decided to, if we're going to paint, we decided to have the hardwood floors done. And then we decided before we're going to do the hardwood floors, we should change the tub. And so it, the last four weeks have been holy mackerel. Uh, you know, we're walking in our house like Charlie Chaplin between aisles of everything to get through. But I love doing that stuff. I love working at home. Um, you know, I love, always have loved putting on my headset uh, listening to my music and mowing my lawn and uh, just being out in nature. And so uh, those are, that's what I've been doing lately. I ride a Harley Davidson. And so I haven't been, I haven't been on it much this year yet, but I'm hoping that one of these Sundays, you know, my wife and I are going to be able to go for a little bit of a ride. And uh, we love doing that. Our eventual plan someday is to buy a toy hauler camper and we're going to take the Harley Davidson and we're going to drive around the country and, we're going to park, camp, and then go ride the motorcycle and just see the country. Oh, that's awesome. I, I could just picture you now, Mayor Joe on his Harley cruising through the oh. city of Danbury. That's awesome. Hopefully, I'll see you one day. I don't know I can wait. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to start as soon as the weather's a little bit better. I'm going to start bringing it to things. I may even start riding it to work once in a while. Cool. I, I should stop by City Hall. Yeah, you should. I'll let you know. <laughs> Um, so mayor Joe, I mean, everything that you've done, whether it's, uh, you know, on the Danbury city council, the president of the Danbury city council, um, everything you've done with the fire department, just everything you've done and now being mayor, what is the hardest part, um, about what you've done and what you do now? That's a great question, Jeff. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of things that have been difficult, but not unachievable. I think when I can't achieve something is when I consider that to be like a defeat. And so I think in my short time now as mayor, the only thing I haven't accomplished of all the big projects that were out there was a charter school for Danbury. Okay. And uh, I, I'm disappointed that I can't garner the support for that from the governor's office and from uh, the city's delegation uh, in Hartford, but I'm not done yet. Um, I had to sort of take a break from it because the charter school group did as well. But now that the budget's done and uh, this career academy's done, we're working on the homeless shelter plans for Danbury this week. 
we have a meeting on Thursday night regarding that. And uh, if I can get over these hurdles of going back to work on the charter school and uh, going to start putting a lot of effort back into that because I, I want to see that done. That's, it's a, there's a great need for that. And uh, there's a certain population that would really benefit from a charter school education. And so I feel it's really important to get that into play and uh, I'm not giving up on it. Awesome. And one more thing real quick before we wrap is uh, how has Amazon coming to Danbury worked out? You know, how's everything going with that? And what could you tell us on that front? Well, I know my packages are coming a lot quicker. Yeah, and, they, uh, are. they really are. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they've really been um, busy, active, but you really don't see or hear from them. They're just up there on the hill doing their work every day, but you see a lot of those gray vans running all over the place and uh, you know, people are using them. We still try to encourage people to shop locally. There are some things you can't just get locally right now, but you may be able to find on Amazon, but you know, we want to support our local businesses because you know, all of that that comes back to Danbury um, is beneficial to Danbury. And so we just try to encourage people to shop local, stay local, you know, do those things. It's really important for our own economy and, you know, if we don't have a good economy here, then we're not going to have a lot of other things either. And so um, it's important for folks to utilize our local services as much as possible. Speaking of local services, I got to tell you, moving over here at Sawmill at the Crown Point Apartments, being really close to Trader Joe's has been amazing. In fact, I actually had never been to Trader Joe's until last month when I moved in and had to go get groceries. And oh my gosh, that is a tremendous store. The food is great. I'm super happy about that. So are you a Trader Joe's fan or? I, I'm not, I, you know, I'm, it's more about convenience for me. So my shop right is very local to me. Gotcha. And, you know, because my time is always so important. I try to do, I try to get my grocery shopping done locally right near my house so I can get it done and get my friend's groceries as well at the same time, um, which is, you know, just beneficial. And then I can, you know, we deliver those and, but I will tell you, uh, I just met a gentleman tonight. I stopped down at the Rogers Park Clinic tonight just to see how everybody was doing down there and say hi. And I met a guy who was a greeter at the door who just moved here from Westboro, Mass. And he was he moved into Rivington. And he said to me, he didn't know I was the mayor. And he's like, you must be somebody important because you have a tie on. He goes, very few people wear ties today. And I said, well, you know, sometimes you have to dress the party. He goes, who are you? You work for the city? I said, actually, I'm the mayor. He was so embarrassed. And I said, don't be embarrassed. It's okay. You know, you didn't know. And he said, you know, I love living in Rivington. He goes, I love Mill Plain Road. He said, all my restaurants, all my food stores, everything is right there for me. And it, it's so convenient. He goes, I never thought I'd be happy moving out of Westboro. But he said, I have to tell you, I'm so happy here in Danbury. I love it. You're doing a great job. And, uh, so, you know, it's always encouraging things like that. Hearing that from you, hearing that from him, both in the same night is huge. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's great oh, to hear yeah. those things. Oh, yeah. Having Mill Plain uh, close by is great. Um, I'm actually friends and more over there at Stanziato. So being closer to him is great. And uh, and then right across the street, which used to be the Matrix, which is now the Summit. I mean, that's a really awesome upcoming place that I'm really excited about. Exciting, <laughs> exciting what's going to happen there, you yeah. know, including the Career Academy in that building as well as, uh, as as well as the other tenants and then some of the living units that are going to be in there. It's going to be its own city within a city. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting to see what amenities they put in there as well. And, you know, we have the Main Street 
construction going on right now in the old News Times property, uh, more housing downtown. And, you know, when I first became a councilman 18 years ago, we were told if you want to save downtown, if you want to revitalize downtown, you have to have people living downtown. And so, you know, through the years, we've worked on those projects and uh, it's coming to fruition. And, you know, there's a real buzz happening. It's real exciting. We have developers in here all the time talking about what they may want to do on Main Street. And I'm excited. I it's, it's just so exciting to see it happening. And a lot of it was the groundwork laid by Mayor Mark and his councils through the years. And hopefully it'll move forward into the next generations and, and we'll just keep moving it along. So excited about it. Awesome. Well, look, Mayor Joe Cavo, thank you so much for giving me some of your time this evening. The city of Danbury is great, but it has an even greater mayor. And I am honored to be in this city and to have you as my mayor. It's an it's a, it's a pleasure because you are just the nicest guy. Everyone was right. You're the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much. No, of course. And and thank you. And any way I can be a help anytime, like I'm, I'm just like you, I love to help people. So if you ever need anything, definitely drop me a line. I would love to help you on any anything in the world. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I hope you have a wonderful evening, my friend. Great. And the same to you. It's been my pleasure to be here, Jeff. I appreciate it. Huge thanks once again to my guest on the podcast today, the mayor of Danbury, Connecticut, Joseph Cavo. Thank you so much, Mayor Joe, for coming on the show and giving me some of your time. I had a really great chat getting to know you and all the great things that you do for the city of Danbury. Wishing you the best in the future, no matter what you choose to do. And I look forward to coming by City Hall soon to say hello. Yet again, just like that, another episode in the beginning of season two of Sweeten Up is in the books. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts we would greatly appreciate your feedback as a reminder you can play the podcast with the help of your smart speaker by simply saying play the podcast sweeten up with jeff spencer thank you as always to my best friends the guys who make it all possible post-production and music morgan Luzzi, production kurt vincey editor and writer nick passacreta and huge thanks as always to my guy devin sapelli next week on the podcast i will be joined by the great and powerful peter lafloc Peter LaFlock is an incredible artist located in Bethel, Connecticut. You may have seen some of his works either live on Instagram with MSNBC's Ari Melber, driving around Bethel, Connecticut, or when you were visiting Good Old Days Pizzeria and Cocktail Den in Newtown, Connecticut. Peter is a big-time artist with awesome influences, and I cannot wait to share our conversation. But until then, you know the deal. Stay safe, stay healthy, love you all, peace. Peace.